1: Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. You know, the mission of this show is to serve you. This is so different than a normal talk show and that this is essentially an empowerment on the air for all of us with knowledge so that we can take more control of our own lives. That's what this is about and so you depend on me and rely on me to give you good clear, concise information. But there are times I leave you disappointed, and that's not what I want to be about. I want you to share your unhappiness, your disappointment, where you feel I'm wrong. We have a place for you to do that on Clark.com, and we call it Clark Stinks. If you'll go there and post when you feel I've missed the mark, other people get to see it, read it, comment on it, and decide, you know, there's something about Clark I wanted to talk about as well. And then once a week, producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares her favorites. I always call them her favorites. I know, and that's not true. Right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You
2: should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong.
0: Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal.
1: So, Krista before you start I want to mention something that I mentioned back in the winter I guess. Mm-hmm. I get more comments from people that are laughing when they're talking <laughs> to me about how much they love the Clark stink segment on you
2: know the we air. really should like Facebook live it or something sometimes so people can see how you're smiling the whole time because you really do like you don't get your feelings hurt at all and... why would I get my feelings hurt? Some people might.
1: No. We're, we're all a team together trying to help each other.
2: We'll see how you feel after today's Clark Stinks. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: Go right ahead. Um,
2: okay, Clark. While I do not think you stink overall, I do think you may want to change the air freshener in the studio after your answer on alarm systems. When a caller asked about alarms, you did your usual love fest with the systems which do not automatically call the police. You said you get to choose whether to call the police or not. I buy my alarm system mostly to protect me and my family, not my things. If some of my things are stolen, heck, that is a good excuse to buy new stuff. But what my alarm system does is protect us if a burglar comes in while we are there. Up to and including if I had a gun to my head and the burglar asked me to shut off the alarm, I can punch in a code that shuts off the audible alarm, but then automatically sends a signal to the alarm company that I am under duress and will send the police anyway. I doubt a burglar is going to tell you, go ahead, this is real, call the cops. So please ensure people have, that people know of this, ensure that they get a system which allows this under duress alarm notification, and put some more airwicks in your studio, Kevin.
1: Thank you, Kevin. I, it would have to be generic room freshener, though, for me. And Kevin, <laughs> that is a very valid point Uh, and a lot of people don't even know that a traditionally monitored alarm you can put in a different code than your normal that disarm code that will let the alarm company know that it's a home invasion that you are in immediate danger which is very important because the police treat burglar alarm calls as the lowest priority of all calls because depending on the jurisdiction, 97 to 99% of alarm calls are false alarms. So the police treat them as something not significant or important. And being able to give that home invasion alert to your alarm monitoring station is very valuable.
2: Oh, Farmer Howard, you seem to be stuck digging in the pile of imported manure when it comes to mobile device recommendations. Q mooing bowl effect now, specifically with regards to the recommending Huawei devices. In my opinion, their bad record of device updates and their crummy, cruft-loaded derivative of Android is not worth the low price. Not to mention the aforementioned tide to international espionage. If you're looking for something decently priced and good for the value, I would look at Android One devices. Android One devices are guaranteed full version updates for two years and monthly security updates. All that, all without bloat, and with a lower price tag than the flagships, along with the decent specs for the price. Specifically, I would check out a few of the new Nokia, uh, now under the HM brand HMD Global devices. A viable option for the price conscious yet technically interested would be the Nokia six point one. 2018, do not penny-pinch and go down to the 2017 model, as that first-generation model has a lower-speed processor and can be annoying with slowdowns. Clark, at least give this phone a whirl, along with a case and glass screen protector, of course.
1: Well, I keep hearing, uh, I read a lot of the technology blogs, and the Nokia phones are getting a lot of very, very positive press inside the technology industry. And I should take up that challenge and try the Nokia, particularly what was referred to by the poster Android One is a brilliant new operating system or sub-operating system from the Google folks that allows phones to use far less data than before. And if you live in an area where the high-speed networks are pretty anemic, the phone still performs very well. As for the updates on Huawei, you are right. That's always been a beef with Huawei is that they do a terrible job of updating the phones and you're left potentially vulnerable to viruses because of the slow updates. Huawei, because it's such now a damaged brand in the United States, the price points on the Huaweis have become extremely favorable though and they do build great hardware
2: answer the question i was eagerly anticipating clark's response to the caller who asked for a couple of news related websites that provided unbiased and balanced news information instead of addressing the caller's question clark recited a veritable litany of news publications that he reads on a daily basis what's more he told us he only reads the financial articles of the sources he mentioned usually clark is in tune to what his readers are seeking But on this one, he went down a giant rabbit hole and left the poor caller with nothing. I bet she hung up wondering, what just happened there? So,
1: anytime I answer a question like that, in the heightened political environment we're in, it can rub people raw. And I really do read, I'm a very dull guy, and I read overwhelmingly financial information. That's why... My favorite publication is the Financial Times of London, and I read it uh, six days a week. It's on my phone, uh, it's on my computer, and I stay updated with it. It doesn't get involved in the whole political culture in the United States. I believe if you want to get the best overall sense of news in the United States, you read the first tier publications in the United States, which would be the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, and LA Times. Those are the four, although the LA Times has really deteriorated over recent years. But those papers uh, have on their editorial pages obvious slants politically, but the quality and depth of the writing of those four publications is extraordinary.
2: Dear Clark, is it possible that, that I did not correctly understand your statements in a recent Back to Basic segment? In that case, the stench within the air would be a self-induced, and there would be no need for me to worry about saying, staying upwind from your location. However, I believe I heard two different answers to the topic of credit utilization. One example seemed to imply that you totaled the available credit on all of your cards, and then the goal is to keep the total balance below something like a 30% threshold. But then in another example, it seemed like the management of the 30% threshold is card-specific. Can you please clarify which is correct? Sure. Appreciate all that you and your team do, Craig, from Portland.
1: Craig, the overall utilization is what ultimately you're judged on. Most people have trouble juggling that and making sure they stay below 30% utilization. So I just shorthand it by saying don't use any card past 30%. And then you're not like, oops, I forgot, blah, blah, blah. And you'll know you'll have potentially significantly below overall 30% utilization. What we're talking about here is roughly a third, almost a third of what makes up your credit score is how much of your credit limits you're using. And as the percent of your credit limit rises, your credit score takes a hit. Because the scoring model knows, the the Fair Isaac scoring model historically has shown clearly that as the percent of your available credit you use goes up, the greater and greater either is that you will default on your debt. And that's why they know historically that if you keep your utilization below 30%, you are very unlikely to go delinquent or default on your debt.
2: Is Clark cuckoo about the nest? Anyone who listened to Clark's advice on the Nest E thermostat might get a bit of bird poo on their head. I bought the Nest E thermostat after reading the review for this thermostat in Consumer Reports, but unfortunately I found out that it wasn't compatible with my HVAC system. My system is less than 10 years old. How could it not be compatible? I thought I'd only have to worry about compatibility if I had a really old system. Turns out that the Nest e-thermostat has only six wire terminals. If your HVAC system has more wires, then you have no choice but to purchase the more expensive Nest Learning Thermostat. Just wanted to include this detail for your listeners who might be in the market for a Nest thermostat. Take off the cover of your current thermostat, if you're capable, and check the wires before purchasing. In the end, I returned the Nest E and bought the Nest Learning Thermostat on sale for $135, and I love it. Keep up the great work, Clark. I'm a huge fan. Maria. Maria, thank you for that post, and there are a a huge
1: number of comments that I've seen online, not even related to me, that are complaining about compatibility issues with the Nest E, the Nest E for I guess economical or whatever it stands for and it's the it's the most affordable of the Nest thermostats but if it will not work with your system then affordable is worthless and so uh, making a check just to make sure that your system is compatible with the Nest E opening up like you s- described if someone's capable of that you're set otherwise Maybe it's easier to spend a little more money and get a nest that is going to learn your system and work just fine. And I appreciate all your posts as we do all learn from each other. Please go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks and share with me how you feel I can do a better job. Sonny is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Sonny, you want to be, be that Disney dad,
3: huh? Yes, I am trying to be one, Clark. I'm your biggest fan, and thank you for your services to humanity and saving people tons and tons and tons of money. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you for saying that. So, How many kids
1: are you thinking of carting off to Disney?
3: Clark, I've got two boys. Uh, one is 13 and the other is seven. And they're both like big time tech junkies. Huh.
1: And have they ever been to Disney?
3: They have been before with their mom, but this is the first time we would be going as a family. I've never been to Disney before, but they have like probably three years ago when they were like still kids, kids.
1: Well, how can I be of service with you in planning what can be a very expensive adventure.
3: I know Clark, here's the thing. I, I, There's a there's a hotel scene I wouldn't want to name, of course, for specific reasons. They offered me a timeshare chart presentation uh, to attend the presentation and they're going to give me like three nights at four days of free stay. And I was like, okay, I'm going to save the money for the hotel stay. So why not? Uh, I have like $1,000 saved up for the trip. I was like, hotel is free. I don't know what to do with my $1,000, where to take the kids, which park. They have a couple of parks. And my kids are like, they, the less, I don't know, they are much, way beyond that age. My 13-year-old is like a 16- and a 7-year-old acts more like a 10-year-old. So <laughs> I wasn't sure where well, to if take if they'd them.
1: been to Disney, why not take them to Universal?
3: Yeah, that would be a good idea as well. Because,
1: because especially if they're into rides and attractions going to universal is a great alternative and often when people are on a on a second or third trip to Orlando to central florida they really concentrate on going to universal instead of going to disney so do
3: you think universal would be a better idea rather than go to the disney resort and uh the magic kingdom and stuff if they've
1: been there done that and they're not saying oh we can't wait to get back to disney can't wait to get back to the magic kingdom i, I think you ask them and i've got it's ironic but i don't know if you heard me talk in the past about mouse savers.com no i have not it's mouse savers mouse savers m-o-u-s-e savers.com you gotta look at this website okay. So it's, its first priority is talking about the Disney properties, but it's got a big section on Universal, and they have okay. all kinds of ideas about ways for you to save money on this trip with your kids.
3: Wow, that's, that's, that's awesome. And, 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 and the best thing about it is, Clark, to be honest with you, I haven't told the kids that we are going to Orlando. I mean, it's going to be a surprise for them. And are you going during a
1: really busy time or are you able to take them during a more quiet time of the year?
3: Uh, my 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 free stay is from the thirteenth to the sixteenth of the thirteenth to the sixteenth of July. Okay. That's it'll be, be crowded. <laughs> Just yeah. be
1: prepared for
3: it's the crowds. Be... Yeah, I know. And and everybody scares me about the standing in lines for hours before you actually get on the ride. Well, but that's why so that's... the
1: parks all sell for more money where you get easier access so uh, you'll be able to decide on that and if you want to really plan a thorough trip that would be great for the kids buy a book called the unofficial guide to Walt Disney World not official unofficial guide and it also covers a lot of information about going to Universal
3: I got it. So I, I would go with your recommendation. I mean, I'm, I've been I've been hearing your show for the past four and a half years, and there's hardly, probably the only few shows that I would have missed like I was sick or doing something, so I couldn't be near the radio. Thank you so much, Clark. Sure, and thank, thank you, 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 for you for your loyalty,
1: for- and I hope you and your kids have the best trip ever to Central
2: Florida. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
1: Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to fatten that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. I got to talk about a growing ripoff to protect yourself from straight ahead. It is a plague right now with criminals going to mailboxes, not your one at your home. But the U.S. Postal Service boxes that you pull the handle back and drop the mail into, you think those are going to be safe. But what's known as mail phishing is growing exponentially right now, apparently, where criminals are using tools to get mail out of the boxes. They rifle through it. They find things that look like uh, payment being sent in the mail. The Eureka for them is when they find a payment being made to a credit card company. I'll tell you why in a second. And then the other mail, they then put in a mailbox, either that one or somewhere else, and drive off. And so what they're looking for specifically are handwritten checks and credit card transmittals because that is the double because they may be able to... Make fake charges against your credit card account, depending on how much information a credit card company puts on the transmittal slip you send, and with the checks what they do is they do check washing, where they change the payee information, maybe even the amount being paid, and they cash that check themselves instead of it going to whatever bill you were trying to pay. And then you end up with late pays and all the rest, including money of yours that is now in the hands of a crook. For individuals, your money is ultimately protected where your bank has to put the money back in your account for check washing. If you are a business, who knows, because you're governed by a different set of laws for that. But... A couple of things here. One is that you consider using pens that are specifically designed for check writing that cannot be washed. I have a pack of those that I use that I bought. They were like 40 cents each or something. And so whenever I have to handwrite a check, which is almost never, I handwrite with a pen that can't be uh, check washed. And so I don't have to worry, the criminal has no use for that check at that point, except for a different kind of crime, I'll tell you about in a second, I'm going to make you fully paranoid. But what I do is I pay virtually every bill I ever pay, I pay electronically. With electronic bill pay, most vendors are paid exactly as that says, they're paid electronically through the bill pay service, no check is moving through the mail. If I pay a very small business or I'm sending money to an individual, the bill pay service will print out a check that again can't be washed with the process they use to print it and they mail a check to the person or small business I'm paying. The uh, bill pay services almost always are free unless you're with a giant bank and it is a way for you to protect yourself from the check washers. It also protects you from the mail intercept, because the way bill pay services work, when they send a check, they send them a different way, even through the mail, with what's known as batching, and it's much more, uh, it's much less likely that checks would be intercepted. Now, back to the thing I alluded to, and I said I'd tell you about, the greatest danger with checks being intercepted by the mail fishers is that they then duplicate your checks they print a new box of checks and then start writing checks as if they're you all over the place and that one gets really really messy in conjunction with that there are still people who carry checkbooks on their person women in their purse guy carries it in his pocket whatever leaves it in the club box of the car don't do it a stolen checkbook can lead to, in the most extreme cases, you being arrested for writing bad checks when you had nothing to do with it. You were a victim of a crime, but you instead are charged as a criminal because bad checks were written on your account. Don't mean to make you fully paranoid. I just have to on this. Devin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Devin. Hi, Clark. Devin, you were interested in being the equivalent of your own banker lending people money. Is that right?
4: Well, to a point.
1: What are you thinking of doing?
4: Well, in a national finance magazine this week, there's a two-page ad for something called streetshares.com, and apparently they're offering a five-year note that yields 3% and gives a liquidity window every two weeks a year. And they apparently use this money to loan to people who are veterans, who are starting small businesses.
1: Well, not specifically because they're veterans. It's anybody who starts a small business, and uh, the interest rates they lend money at are uh, as high as 40%. Okay. And the lowest they lend money is, I think, about 8 or so percent. And so they get money from you in a private funding that, if I recall, is not FDIC-insured. Does it say it's FDIC-insured?
4: It is not FDIC-insured. Okay,
1: so it is essentially a promissory note. Correct. And 3% is not nearly enough for the risk you take on in a promissory note. Today you okay. can you can put your money in a simple savings account and earn over 2%. That's fully FDIC insured. Now, if you are if you're interested in doing small business lending or lending to others, there are two platforms where you can actually do the lending and you receive a return on your money way beyond 3%.
4: Well, it's actually five percent. I'm sorry if I misspoke. It's five percent over three years.
1: Oh, five percent over three years. So five percent. You know, I'm in. Um, I lend money on the um, Lending Club and Prosper platforms. I've been doing so to test it for our listeners for about eighteen months now, and things have been great. I'm I'm earning a decent return on my money with one of the platforms. I'm earning just over 7%. On the other, I'm earning 6%. And... Go ahead.
4: Prosper is unavailable to me in Nebraska.
1: Ah, okay. Have you checked Lending Club to see if you can do that?
4: I believe I can.
1: So uh, even 5% in a case where you're doing a promissory note to the actual lending authority itself... That, uh, it doesn't change my answer a whole lot. Three versus five is obviously a higher rate of interest that you would be earning, but you're still only relying on the promise of this organization to be able to deliver those interest payments to you and ultimately your principal back to you at the point you'd wish to receive it. And that's not enough of an interest rate for me to feel that's worth doing
4: so okay well great
1: it's not a scam or anything like that I just don't think the risk reward profile is favorable enough to you Barry's with us on the Clark Howard <laughs> yeah. show hi Barry Barry yes this is Barry hi how you doing I'm fine Barry, you want to talk to me about a service that you've heard people ask me about on the show that you feel burned to you instead of helping you. Tell me about that.
4: Yes, uh, I found out about um, uh, a, a program that would save money on my internet, TV, and cable provider on your on your site, uh, which I registered for, and
1: uh, they it didn't work out to save me any money. Um Go ahead and name them since they've been uh, something people have asked me about for, I guess, a couple of years now.
4: It was called Trim. And um, I registered for their site uh, and I received notices right away from my cable and TV provider that some changes were made that did not look beneficial, as a matter of fact. It said, it said I, HBO would be taken off my service, which I did not want. In cetera, I um, uh, w- noticed that the that, that, that HBO was taken off. In cetera, they, they said that they were saving me $190 in my service, um, but I did not want HBO to be taken off. I ca- called uh, my TV provider. Uh, technical support that night to talk to them they told me that not only was hbo taken off my service but on my phone bill my long distance service was not going to be available for me either which i did not want
1: so I, in I, other uh, words they uh, it backfired on you and instead of saving you money it inconvenienced you and you lost deals that you had so it was the opposite of saving you money. So i got a couple of questions for you. Have you contacted Trim to say, hey, what are you going to do about this? I've had some communications
4: with them by email to describe exactly what had happened. And at this point, they tell me they're going to refer it to their manager, but at this point, my service has actually gone up uh, by $24 a month.
1: And how many days has it been since they were supposedly going to refer it to a manager? Only one. Only one day. Oh, okay. Give 25. them give them a little more time to make it right. But let's say they don't. In two more days, I'd give them three days to make you happy. Do you go on social media at all? Because I would, I would use Facebook and Twitter as a way to uh, get put your complaints out there and. See how they respond because they rely so much on their reputation on social media.
4: Well, I appreciate that. And I'm um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be interested in doing social media um, um, like like that, but, I'm, but I but I appreciate it.
1: Well, stay on them, and you know we may hear from them as well. Who, that they may uh, hear about you being on the show, and they may want to a higher priority on reaching out to you and making it right by you. So this website, Astrem, and they have a competitor whose name I forget right now that people have asked me about as well. What both of them do is, in theory, is they go through your bills for you and look for better deals for you, in theory, and uh, generally I hear from people from these services that they do get a better deal. Obviously, in your case, it worked out exactly backwards. Stephen's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Clark. Thank you for your service. Sure, Stephen. You got a kid going off to college. Yes, yes. So he's doing it uh, way early going from Wisconsin to Arizona because everybody (laughs) from Wisconsin decides to move to Arizona in retirement.
4: We just hope he comes back. Yes, he's threatening that he may not come back after college. May, I know that scenario. Sure. <laughs> and well, uh, we're we're uh, looking at taking him, my wife and I, driving him with all his items the second week of August, and then flying back. And we've just come across with the rental vehicles, enormous pricing.
1: Yeah, you will, uh, going from Wisconsin to Arizona... Basically, you could buy the car for what they'll charge you after <laughs> enough days. Yes. Uh, yes. So I have a crazy series of suggestions to you for you. Okay. All right. Number one is that you put yourself through misery and you drive both ways. And then the price drops to a tiny fraction of what it would be driving one way and flying back. Or that you fly to college on Southwest, where each of you can take two giant suitcases as check bags, a carry-on and a backpack, and all of them can fly with you for free.
4: Oh, that's brilliant. We didn't think through that one. We kept thinking all as items we would need to take the vehicle, but that. That's a great idea It saves a lot of time cuz we looked at it over 20 it'll be about 25 hours without any stops.
1: And driving, if you so. if you have a Costco near you, Costco has a big uh section of stuff for people going off to college. They're selling an ultra lightweight big suitcase for $49 that uh it's not the most durable suitcase, but it'll get a get your child off to college and carry a ton of stuff. You get six of those. I can't imagine he's going to need more things at school in Arizona, and he's going to be making a lot of fun of you in January when he calls you, tells you the weather in Arizona.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com and producer Joel asks it for you. Clark, Blake was wondering if you have an opinion on the housing market adjustment up potentially occurring in the near future. He says, I own a rental property that I'm considering selling in Southern California. It's been doing very well appreciation-wise, but I'm sure that that won't continue forever. Rising interest rates also concern me. When would be the best time to sell this property? When you're tired of being a landlord, if you have been a landlord and you want to bail in the next couple of years, the market's strong, take chips off the table and people are going to get likely a more affordable interest rate buying that as you indicated in the future. We don't know the rhythms to the housing market. We've had housing prices go up faster than rate of income and that can only go on so long before the housing market moderates or even goes through some level of dip. Nothing like last decade. So if you're tired of owning it, and you're ready to get out, and it's only a question of months till you bail out, I think take advantage of the strong market and sell, and don't second guess if later home prices are higher six months or a year from now. On the other hand, if you like being a landlord and you could just as easily continue being one, the long-term advantages of continuing to have the rental property if the neighborhood it's in is staying stable or improving outweigh selling in either case. You're listening to the Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters Clark Daily, Clark Deals and travel eScape. Sign up now. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to Clark.com newsletters.